I had a, I had a, I went to a place here and I had a big burrito with my son earlier uh, this evening here in Amsterdam, and uh, it was good. It was you know it was the 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 style of places uh, where you go in and they make the burrito for you and everything. And boy, I got a big one. And my son my son got the barbacoa, and uh, wow. I got the barbacoa. And then it was too spicy for him, so I ate a lot of his burrito afterwards because I didn't want good barbacoa to go to waste. Uh, and it's good. It's called like um, something salsa. I don't know. It's it, you know, just look up salsa in Amsterdam. I guarantee you, it's going to be the only restaurant with the word salsa in its title. And I would recommend it. They've got three types of Cholula dressing. Not dressing. Whoa. What do they call it? Sauce. What they, sauce. you know, what people call that red sauce that's liquidy in a jar is very confusing because sometimes it's called salsa, but that's not my salsa. Like no, that's, that's not. Yeah, and you could call it hot sauce, but I mean, hot sauce is not. I don't know. I think hot sauce is what you would call it, right? Yeah, yeah, but hot sauce, you know, can can slide into things like. Uh, um, uh, Tabasco sauce, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, know, yeah. That, that's not yeah. salsa. That's not Mexican. Now you wouldn't, uh, you I wouldn't put good. a, you wouldn't put like a, a, a Cholula and a, like Uncle Tio's or whatever in the same category of like a, you know Red Hot or Tabasco. I don't know. I think, I mean, I would put them in the same category. But you're saying well, that's wrong. But, but I don't, I don't typically think about putting Tabasco on Mexican food. Oh well, that's that's because well, I don't know. You probably have been. I mean, I have been in a lot of situations, including earlier this week, yes. where all there was was Tabasco. And boy, no, no, no. boy, I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I intellectually, I'm a hot sauce purist, but uh, I've been known to put you know sriracha on my uh, on my um, migas. So Oof. you know, yeah. you do what you got. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was I was in uh, I was in Dusseldorf, a place I had never been. <laughs> Uh, earlier this week, I was in the uh, the kind of shared airport lounge early in the morning, and there were some scrambled eggs. They were the kind of eggs that looked like um, kind of yellow, sticky, like you know the styrofoam packaging that if you break it apart, yeah, it becomes yeah. a bunch of like little little balls. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, all they had was Tabasco sauce on there, and it was one of those meals where I put Tabasco sauce on it because I wanted it to have flavor. And it was like, oh yes, once again, I remember why I don't like Tabasco sauce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, any port in a storm. Yeah, yeah, it's only really good in like drinks, in in Bloody Marys and uh, whatever tomato juice i i don't know <laughs> there's so many i think tabasco sauce is from one of these eras where there was like that was the only thing there was and so oh, yeah, people just yeah. didn't know better but now it's just it, it, like not good it's a it's a sanka of hot sauces oh sanka <laughs> mm. <laughs> have you seen how many tabasco have you i guess maybe this is just a u.s thing have you ever seen how many tabasco sauces flavors there are now oh Quite yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's like a rainbow so even the original uh, Tabasco sauce has, uh, I don't know, been devalued in favor yeah. of a rainbow of sauces. Yeah, I think I think they must have had some Bane people come in like twenty years ago, and they were just <laughs> like, "You got to disrupt yourself before you're disrupted by." Line other extension will exactly. save you. Yeah, That's right. They're Take like, up more space you. in the grocery store. You have on a whole aisle of sauce. Get in there. Yeah, before yep. before these other ones come in. Well, th- this, you got to define the category. This was the question so, I wanted to ask. This was all just a lead up to that. Uh, is so my understanding is that uh, we, as, as a people of like, you know, um, whatever we are, high cultured uh, people, well-off people, we're not supposed <laughs> to like Chipotle. 
and it's been a long I, time. I like Chipotle. But this is, yeah, this is my question. It's like, so what is what is the zeitgeist of Chipotle being bad? Now, I know they had some food ch- supply chain problem a while ago. Got some yep. people sick. I forget if they died or whatever. But it's like, you know, I feel like you're not a big-time fast food restaurant unless you've had some sort of E. coli <laughs> outbreak, right? Like, it's just... yeah. You, you can't be prime time unless you kill a few it's, customers. It's, it's like it's like my thoughts about old mega software companies, right? Unless the Justice Department is knocking on your door every week, you're not profitable enough, right? Like you really like <laughs> you really got to get out there and try to win it, right? And so wow. like I and and so like conversely, like I mean, I've, I I ate at Chipotle's a lot. I wouldn't say a yeah. lot. I've probably eaten at them ten times in 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 my uh, austere life in theirs. And oh, easily I beat that. Yeah, yeah, they seem fine, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the food is pretty good. They've got, like, three, four types of salsa. Like, I remember maybe the last time I ate when I was in, like, Memphis, and uh, I was staying at some, um, you know, budget Starwood at the time place. I forget what that would be. And uh, across the street was a Chipotle, and I went across the street, and I was like, hell yes, I'll have extra, I'll pay extra for guacamole because I'm putting this on the corporate card. And, you know... <laughs> It was great. So what? Yeah. What's the deal? Why? Why are people down on Chipotle? I don't think anyone is down. I think they no? completely come back from their. Uh, I think the way they solved the the PR crisis seems to be because when I ate Chipotle, at least the ones here uh-huh. in Austin, they now have the uh, sanitizer. They have the hand sanitizers everywhere. They got like uh, one yes. by the door. They got one right by the uh, <laughs> the place you order the food. So that seems to have worked. I mean, they they even uh, I think they offered I think they've had it for a while, but they have this vegan thing now. It's like Whoa, I think yeah. they're doing fine. If you look at their okay, stock, okay. stock is like way up. Uh, I think in a, I think it's one of these things, uh, especially if you're just out in back to like you know why is fast food good is usually because it's just consistent wherever you are. Mm-hmm. It's like you can order it relatively healthy. You can also order it relatively you know uh, loaded up with guacamole and queso. So it's like hey, I think it's a go to place. Nothing yeah. wrong with it. I'm fine with it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, we've single-handedly solved their problem then. Yeah, done. They're welcome. (laughs) Huh. Well, that's good. Uh, Yeah. We got that one figured out. Yeah. But no one – I will say this, though. I think it is ironic because at least when I I both order Chipotle and when I just watch everyone order – no one actually gets the burrito. Everyone gets their burrito bowl. That's oh, yeah? like I'm gonna say eighty percent of the people. So it it is kind of interesting how they made their name on burritos, but I would bet you they sell seventy percent uh burrito bowls. Yeah, so they only sell maybe thirty percent of burritos because everybody's you know afraid of the carbs. Now so now that, is, that's is really the, what I've learned. I was thinking about but, this tonight because I got a burrito. I mean, is the burrito bowl gonna be that much more healthier? Because like I, I guess because I, like if if you get the size See, burrito they they have, I mean that tortilla is like one hundred eighty two hundred mm. calories or something. No, but I guess it's, it's more a lot than that. Of, That's the yeah. problem. So here's the key problem, right? This is the problem with the triple. It's like they only have the giant uh, tortilla, right? Mm, yeah. and, so, and so there's no middle ground, right? You can't like just get, and so it's so big. So it, it so you know, healthy. That's like we could probably spend three hours about like what's healthy versus locales. <laughs> Let's we'll avoid right, that. Right. Uh, I think we'll just go with calorie count. We'll just say less calories. It's just like yeah, that that burrito. I mean that uh, tortilla is gonna be running you like three fifty four hundred calories, oh, right? So, okay, so 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 analyze my order. Is this healthy or not? I always get the salad because. I don't want I don't want the tortilla mm-hmm. and I don't want the rice, but I get the salad, vegetarian, 
ton of guacamole, and then I get a side order of chips so I can eat it a nacho style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that healthy not or healthy. not? No, no. Oh, but it's a salad. This is what I believe is the healthiest order of Chipotle. Okay, you go burrito bowl, brown rice, because let's not have the whole carbs, reverse fat, whatever. Like, you got to have some of that. So you get some brown rice. You get the. I think the chicken is fine, but if you want to go with the vegetarian option, that's your choice. Then you go mild and medium salsa, because really the, the mild is just like vegetables. So just get some yeah. extra vegetables. Then you can pick which, whichever sauce you want. I will warn you, though, the hot sauce has more sugar, so that comes in with a lot of oh. calories. Then at the oh. end, so, so that's why you go medium. Then at the end, they have the lettuce right there. So you just say, like, add a bunch of lettuce. So you can kind of make it like a pseudo salad at the very, very end. Uh, but you have to squ- mm. skip. Of course, the things you have to skip, the cheese, the guacamole, and the sour I'm, cream, right? So that's I'm, that's those you, are your you three huge mistakes on Chipotle. If you, make the, if you hit <laughs> any one of those, it's fine. It'll be good. It's just you're no longer healthy. You're not even close mm. to healthy. But uh, um, wow. so, again, like, I mean, do your own thing. I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, like, if you want to stay healthy, stay to that. You'll be, you'll be fine. Now, now I don't. I know this is not a benchmark, but I'm gonna have to go look up the 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 health nutritional ratings on the Albert Hein burrito tortillas over here because I feel like they're not too terrible. I'm gonna have to go check it out compared. They're to They're probably we... not very good then. Hey, hey, I'm just that, that's a whole other category. <laughs> but well, remember, uh, we're not talking. Like, I don't like. No, they're not. They're, not. they're they're big. They're big burrito stuff. Maybe they're not giant. Maybe this I mean is, there is the size above. You got ta- you got tortilla taco calorie count burrito. versus health. That ma- make sure that's a big difference. Calorie count. Sure, I sure, just think, sure. Sure, that's because I think that's the biggest thing. It's like okay, well, mm. could be healthy, but like, do you want to go four hundred calories just on a tortilla? It's like sometimes you do, but a I lot of times that. you like, yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I see. So bowl. You want to get a bowl? Skip and oh, put salad. put the, the the sour cream on there. Brown rice. <laughs> Yeah, my so so uh, th- this is I think one of Cormac's first experiences, like you know, doing the building a burrito thing, and uh, he surprised me. He didn't surprise me in that he didn't want any vegetables, but he surprised me that he wanted sour cream. He's very excited about it, and he even had them put some uh, some salsa on it just to live dangerously. Ooh, uh, nice. Yeah, but then the barbacoa was too spicy for him, so I ate all of his leftover burrito in addition to my own. It was it was a triumph of healthiness. Uh, very, very delicious. Well, here, here's, here's, here's the other. Uh, we we have we have a couple of ads, so I want to get my uh, my geographic oddity in before because I'm going to give one one to to Matt to go over. <laughs> but have I talked about casino bread yet on the podcast? I've never heard of this. Hmm. Okay, no. what do you speak of? Well, maybe I'll, uh, let's return to that at the end of the show. Uh, and I'll, I'll slip that in as a recommendation, but there's a little teaser, Casino Bread. And it is, uh, I, I finally looked up why this is called Casino Bread, and I think it's pretty much only in the Netherlands. And uh, you would never, the name, you would never expect where it comes from, which which uh, which will be enjoyable for us to, to get to. So uh, uh, so there, there's the big old over there in San Diego, speaking of tacos, there's, there's KubeCon, Kubernetes Con. Now, did either of us go to that? I don't think I was there. No. No, Brandon? No. no, nobody was there. Hmm. There was lots of, I think we had a we even <laughs> had a discount. stop us from commentating. <laughs> there were lots of parties though. That seemed to be the best debate of KubeCon this year was were these parties as good as uh OpenStack parties? Yeah. Collectively yeah. It seems like OpenStack still winning. Well, so I I was I was uh like like a like a good podcast host. I was I was trying to do a little like what's been going on in KubeCon news roundup. Here are the four things 
I know I'm missing some, but here's the four things I've I've come up with in no particular order. One, no one at the WeWork table. So that was big news. Uh, yeah. And two, uh, let's see, IBM had some some stuff that they released. And yep. uh, that dev tools, yep. se- seemed helpful. Some dev tools make things easier. And then, uh, and then I think Google had their own conference somewhere else where they announced some things not related uh, to KubeCon. So that that was fun for them. Let's see. And then, and then, what was the the, the third or fourth thing? There was there's a lot of certification stuff going on. And then there was just a lot of like uh, vendors doing um, you know kind of smaller announcements and things. But from what what I could tell, there's not sort of any like earth shattering announcements or anything. It was just as it, as it would be a gathering of, of the people to talk about things going on. And of course the cube showed up. So there's a lot of the cube interviews. Uh, if, if you want to read through those, which is, I have to say they're doing a great job on lighting on those. Like, have you ever seen, I mean, the quality <laughs> of pictures that they have are amazing. I'm really jealous. Like I used to do a bunch of like videos, which of course were all terrible, right? You can go look them up if you want. But at the time it's, it's kind of like Tabasco. It's what we had. But man, they really have figured out how to do like really quick, good on-site, uh, high-quality videos there, which which I always uh, admire. But I think I, and are, are there are there any other? Uh, I, and I think uh, HPE had a had a Kubernetes release. I assume that was uh, you know they have their own distro there as well. But that are there any of the major highlights that I missed in my my little well, think, roundup? There? I don't know. I do think just like the growth, right? So mm-hmm. the number that they put out was KubeCon had 12,000 attendees this year. Someone yeah, else told I, me it was four, 14. So I was trying to put that, I mean, because I think that's uh, basically up 100% from last year, because I think it was like 6,000 roughly. Um, and I was trying to put it in context of like, I believe the two largest shows that I actually attended, right, were at one point VMworld, I think in like the late aughts or whatever, right, was... Or I don't know. It was it was like fifty thousand, maybe in two two thousand eight, two thousand nine. That was I don't know if it's. I think it's gone down since then. And then way back, feels like a long time ago. Like the ninety nine Java one was like forty thousand people, Mm. right? And so I was like, and then each one of those shows, you know, for different reasons. I always thought like those were like the peak moments. So I don't know if we're seeing like you know KubeCon is kind of interesting. So at first I was like, well, maybe this will be like the peak. The peak, but I think I think it could probably double again. I think they can probably. I think a year from now, if you set over under twenty thousand attendees ne- next year at KubeCon, like assuming they, you know, I have to assume they're in like at a venue that can uh, support that, right? So let's just make that assumption. Like twenty thousand people at the North American KubeCon, would you take the under or the over? I'm going under. I'm going under. Go under. I, I, yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like getting a conference to a substantial size is you got to have a lot of content and you got to have a reason for people to show up. Um, and with, you know, with Kubernetes releasing every six months and just a glut of places to go and talk about it, you, you know, you, I mean, things like Dreamforce and, you know, uh, the VMware conferences, like, you know, they're big, t- you know, they're big events, like things are going to get announced, but here we are talking about KubeCon and, you know, they had a lot of people, but, like, there's no, you know, oh, now we're all energized to go off and do more Kubernetes. So I was like, this, it's it's not a big enough, like, uh, spectacle, I guess, mm-hmm. to, to, well, to keep, the- you know, getting there. And, and, I, and I would hazard to guess that a lot of people going are kind of like, well, well, you know, what did I get out of this that I couldn't have, right. you know, Could got have out of a smaller or watched or, 
Well, know. the number to watch here then I think would be because the other number they put out, they said there are a hundred certified Kubernetes vendors. And so yeah. just just for uh, clarity here, I didn't exactly know what that means. So I looked it up. A certified vendor is an organization that provides a Kubernetes distribution hosted platform or installer. So that's up from I think they said fifty six last year. So if again, if they just did half as well, they'd added another fifty, right? If there's 150 yeah. next year, then that would obviously probably you know have the attendance go up. And, or and, and, are we and they at all have peak? to have a booth? Yeah, no, everyone has to have a booth. And so like, I, I don't know. That's just it's just an interesting question. Like, are we at like kind of the peak? Are we peaking out to kind of what you're saying, Matt? Or we have like I think we have. I just think there is like one more double in this. I, I just feel like the momentum yeah. no, is, I, is big. Like it could go one more because the other key that I've seen like the way these conferences get so massive, massive as I remember that as I go back to the Java one back in '99 and the in the VMware one was at some point it just becomes like the tech conference you go to where it has like, you don't even like especially the VM world one I went to I was like I mean it had you didn't, you didn't have to do anything related to virtualization I think this is when VMware was buying they had just bought like a productive office source. productivity yeah. and spring source so, I mean, so it yeah. kind of became this thing and, and maybe the sun one was even better like that was the year and this is this is real old like the Ginny standard right you know and then they had like these flying high helicopter robot things so it's like it just became ridiculous. You're like, this just has, you know, barely any semblance of, of being related to maybe Sun Microsystems at the time. So, but it just right. became such an event that everyone just went. And so, I don't know if maybe you know Kubernetes is just too niche; it'll prevent that. Or if, you know, next year I'll just have like again the robot helicopters, and people are like, yeah, we put a little uh, Kubernetes thing on it, and we thought we'd be here, right? And you're mm. like, okay, yeah. So there, and that's there, how you there was it. there was some article about five uh, G and Kubernetes. So I think I think uh, all they need to do is be the new way to run the uh, the virtualized uh, telco networks, and then and then that's that'll be full crest right in. there. Yeah. Well, then, yeah. then the OpenStack summit will empty out. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so is is a I mean that is a good a good question. You know, my perennial like crotchety old, older gentleman thing to say is like, you know, I never know if this thing is for developers or not. I get very confused about what uh what people say and all of that. And but it does seem like uh I don't know, someone was saying there's a lot of developers there doing things. Are there? I I don't know. Someone. I sound, I sound like a TV a cable news commentator. People say uh but <laughs> But, you know, presumably, uh, how, however many people you have there, they would either be the people working on, you know, Kubernetes open source or various distros of it or, or uh, I don't know, operations people who run it uh, or, or not. So it's sort of like which well, populations you have to, uh, to fill it out. Are, are, and, and, and I guess that gets to the idea of, like, how niche is it versus a generalized thing. Well, uh, and, and that's, that, that's why I kind of think it is close to topping out is you know my my slightly uninformed opinion is you know looking at the things OpenStack went through about how hard it is to run and as an operator mm. and then the end users actually didn't care about it like you know they all, the people consuming OpenStack they didn't need to go to an OpenStack conference mm. right so the developers didn't really care about it the operators were having a hard time and if you look at Kubernetes it's like you know who's operating it? it you know, there's a hundred companies out here saying it, but you know, there's probably going to be less. It'd be be my guess it, yeah. in the future there'll be less, and people doing it for themselves. There's you know, there's not a lot of that. It's more like, oh, I'm just going to consume it on AWS or Azure, or Google, or you know, I'll buy it from from you know VMware, and the people 
the end consumers, the developers, they don't care. And they shouldn't care that it's Kubernetes, right? Like the end game of this is developers just build their apps and somewhere, somewhere it's running. And is that going to need more than 20,000 people? <laughs> I think you said something there. <laughs> I, I think that said a lot of it's like developers should not care about this. But like, I think there's just the reality of like, at least right now, a lot of them. Well, right know. now, there's so, a lot of vendor care. And, and I was gonna say the other thing, yeah. yeah. And this is the other part of it is that um, because like this hundred certified, and I haven't seen the latest CNCF slide, but you know, I, I kind of think of like every time they add one of these vendors, it's like there needs to be some like complexity score. Like I wish there was a way to like quantify the complexity of like we'll just call it the Kubernetes ecosystem at this point, because I think it's like it's I don't know. I feel like this may be the year. It's just so complicated, and so then you look at all these vendors because it's become so complicated. If, we, if you know, the three of us were going to go raise venture capital, one thing we could do is be like, let's find a problem and let's find 10 relatively large enterprise customers that think they have that problem too, right? Yeah. So if you look at these 100, and I'm just using that as a proxy, and there's probably 1,000 vendors there. It's like right now there's so much complexity and there are so many niche problems. Like you can kind of find 10 customers that have you know, a million different problems, right? And so I think that's why you're seeing this, mat- like so much funding, so many companies come out, but... At some point, right, this is where it collapses. It either starts to get simpler and there's consolidation or the platform just, you know, never it kind of dies because of its complexity, right? So that's, well, but, that's the point, yeah. like, I think we're kind of at. Like, it either has to start to get smaller and simpler or it, it's just, you know, again, like people, uh, like they do with every platform, they will be like, this is too complicated. I'm going off to this other thing that just has what I need. And the cycle continues. Right. Well, and and for developers, they don't want to take part in that cycle. They just want to build their apps and let that, you know, be the end of their negotiation with the underlying platform. Mm. Um, and so, this is that. That's why I was kind of you know bringing up the OpenStack, uh, you know, equivalence is like they did kind of cap out at you know I don't know you know eight nine ten thousand people. Well, whatever it was, you know, I would hazard to guess a lot of the people going to the OpenStack summits these days are more, more on the you know open source operators, less of the yeah. developers, and you know they've probably found a a nice you know niche of you know this is this is the people who need to be here, and you know I don't know yeah that, that's yeah how no, I feel. I, I'm with you like I mean definitely returning <laughs> to like. I mean, because I mean, the original purpose or one of the original purposes is just sort of like a chance for all the people running these various projects to get together, kind of like roadmap out what they're doing, making sure, you know, so that part, I think always is all these projects are going to need that. It's just to your point, it's like, well, how much stuff happens around that? And so it's not like Kubernetes is going anywhere. It's like that group group will be there for (laughs) for a while. It's just like how how much uh, how much can you get? I'm 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 definitely long on Kubernetes as a tech. I'm just saying I don't know <laughs> about a, a massive conference like you know AW reinvents coming up. They're gonna have what sixty thousand people. Um, you know Oracle, uh, what they call it, Open Open World or World, whatever. Yeah. You know they pull like seventy eighty thousand people. Yeah, like Dreamforce you mentioned, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean those are they have a massive ecosystem around them. Kubernetes will have it, but I don't know if they need to be at KubeCon, right? Yes. It's like, because what's going to happen is it's going to splinter into reInvent and, you know, uh, VMworld and all these other conferences are going to pull a lot of that Kubernetes specific content into them. So it's like, you know, I mean, KubeCon, I'm not, you know, 
I, I sound like I'm bagging on KubeCon. It's like I'm sure it's a great conference and people are having a good time, but you know, I don't see it getting that yeah, much bigger. Keep growing for needing to get much yeah. bigger. Yeah. Well, I mean, even well, and this other, this other thing, just I mean, this hundred certified Kubernetes, you know. I don't know how many of them are distributions, right? Because HPE just announces their distributions as well. And it's like, there's just a limit to, I mean, it's just a, really a limit to how many you need. You know I mean? I don't, you know I mean? You can't have, I don't know, even well, 50, 50 distributions customer, of Kubernetes yeah. like seems too you're, many, right? You're talking like you're gonna, five yeah. or 10 is probably what you yeah. need the most, right? Exactly. So. Right. The customers are going to, are going to like, you know, their, their bake off is going to be like three vendors. You know, they're not going to they're not going to go to 100. They're going to be like, all right, who do we have a relationship with? Oh, you know, we're an HPE shop, but, you know, Red Hat's always, you know, knocking on our door. But, you know, we buy a lot of VMware. It's like there's your three vendors for your bake off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not like you're like, wait, wait, wait. I heard about this startup that took, you know, a, a round of, of venture funding and I want to bet the next 10 years of our platform on those guys, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, good luck, you know, 100 certified Kubernetes vendors, but, uh, um, you know, OpenStack went through that same thing, right? You know, you, yeah. your Pivotals and, or not Pivotals, um, Pistons and, you know, all the other vendors, like they had a hard time getting these big enterprise customers. And then once... Once Red Hat kind of, you know, moved into the room, it just kind of sucked everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the other thing I always have straw. is uh, I think of uh, <laughs> every time I read these numbers, I think of uh, you know Cote and a friend of the show, uh, 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 Brian uh, Gracely over at Cloudcast, like sort of like sitting on this mountain, like looking down at KubeCon, like oh oh you oh you all be back, all of you will be back for the uh, the return of like. Or people are like, we have a lot of this, and uh, I'm just gonna, you know, open shift and pivotal. I know that's maybe not always apples to apples, but there's, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's this group of people like Cote and Brian, or, you know, like the senators in the Roman Empire. Maybe they're they're up on the hill, like, oh, the, the masses the will be back. They will learn and they will come back to us and uh, and be better for it. So, because uh, that's the other. I mean, that's just the big question. Is this like, well, well yeah, it's a lot of complexity, it, and there are there are offerings out there. This 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 is my this is my offer. Uh, that just to finish, just to, that offer a more simplified approach. So it's there if you want it, right? So it's, don't 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 pretend it isn't. So go ahead. Go this to. is this is my follow on point, and then and then to another one. One is is I would like to suggest a new rule for the 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 uh, commercializing the Kubernetes community, and maybe even the not commercializing. Is every time every time it it, it is said that Kubernetes is complex, please eludicate with at least three bullet points. You, I will. You are allowed fifty if needed, but just like I read so many articles this week that are like, you know, this startup here, this thing here, and they're like to deal with the complexity. Or we started this new project, and you're like, complexity of what? Like, tell me why it's complex. Like, it's not that I don't believe you. It's just sort of like, as I think I, I, I had this epiphany a couple of years ago that I speak about. Like every time there's some new Kubernetes thing out, it makes me realize how little the thing does on its own which is fine. But like what that means is that like, if you're going to make some claims about you're solving some complexity, you should explain what that complexity is. And, you know, uh, one example people like to use is, uh, uh, and, and pivotal people talk about this and other people is like, you know, multiple cluster management. And the reason you need multiple cluster management, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but at some point it was, but like, there's basically like, I think the technical term is really shitty security, uh, built into like isolating people in a cluster. So basically, if you're in one cluster, and I think maybe this is solved, but at some point, I repeated myself there. But like you could basically access 
whatever your neighbors were if you were in the same cluster, which I don't know, it's probably bad. Uh, and so you would have to spin up multiple clusters or whatever. And then there's also like, you know, upgrading it is a problem. So like, again, I don't know if those apply anymore. My data is like, I'm, I'm up on that hill with, with, uh, with Brian, apparently just like, you know, <laughs> iron in my toga or something, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, drinking your wine, you, you get, you get anywhere minimum of three, maximum of 50 to a hundred bullet points to in detail, explain what is complex and how you solve it rather than just being like, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be annoying to startups here. But like, I mean, if I have to read another press release, I don't know what have to. I would prefer the next time I re- read a press release or a blog entry or a very well lit video interview with some startup for them to be like very detailed about like here's an <laughs> issue, here's this problem, here's that problem, and we solve that problem by by doing some other thing. And uh, yeah, it would be nice. I think they want to do it, like, but it's it always, is hard. It's always I like. Say- I, you know, even like, and I don't, I don't know the history of this well enough, but I imagine back in the mid two thousands, it was similar, just with like VMware. It was like, ah, it's all complicated. We got to wrap things around it, and uh, I don't know. But it'd be, it'd be, it's, it's, it'd be great to hear what those, uh, those complex things are. Now, now, I'm just gonna throw it out there. No need for follow up. Slightly related, tangentially. <laughs> I also read. Uh, speaking of press releases, I read an extensive. And and interestingly helpful, like, press release from Oracle. And I was thinking, you know, Brandon, eventually we're going to work on this book called, like, Tech Marketing or something, where we just do transcriptions of our old podcast. Oh, fantastic. I'm yeah. in. I, yeah. I don't know if I've told you about this. I've, <laughs> I've been working on it in my mind for a while. Uh, right. But there's this press release uh, that I I guess is on the Container Journal. Now, I don't know what the Container Journal is, but whatever. I, I think they journal about containers. <laughs> Uh, and and it's, it. it's it's from Oracle, and this is a particularly unique, in a good way, species of tech press releases. And I feel like, what would you call it? I wouldn't say the ethos, but I feel like there's there's some some self awareness of Oracle that you can see in the re- the rhetoric of it. Let me quickly go over this and then get to the question, the the topic that I had there. Not a topic, but so this 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 uh, this first of all. Announcing Oracle API Gateway, comma, Oracle Logging, and Kafka compatibility for Oracle Streaming. Now, someone forgot to put a comma in front of that and there. I don't know if that's a Cambridge Oxford, or an Oxford or Ooh, Oxnard. Oxford, comma. Yeah, I never I know. know which one is or is not. But, Oxnard. <laughs> but whatever it is, someone fucked up. Let's just put it that uh, way. They no, left no, that no, a comma. No. And, and, and continuing, like, the, the next mess up is, you know, the first three words – Last year, we announced. How is the you, – you're supposed to sanitize these press releases. <laughs> no, no, that's that's my thing. That's why this is unique is like I, I was, oh, okay. I was okay. reading this and I was like, holy shit, this first part was really helpful. It was just like uh, what they're doing here is they're telling you everything they've done so far, it, which one accomplishes – well, not one. Accomplishes two goals. One, uh, it's a good reminder. I couldn't have told you all of this stuff. It's really nice. And two, you know, th- this is this is a very like Oracle cloud sort of thing to be is to be like, hey, we do a lot of shit just in case yeah. you didn't want to know. And I mean, did, you probably didn't want to know just in case you didn't know. Uh, <laughs> and so like they do a pretty good job of like laying out this context and boom, like we're doing this stuff. But anyways, then they go on to talk about uh, basically it looks like I'm not a technical person. I'm a toga person. Uh, but like <laughs> they, 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 they go on and basically I think what they're saying is stop giving your money to Kafka because it'll still work on our shit. 
uh, I think is what this press release is about, if I read it correctly. Or <laughs> more appropriately to our ongoing, our ongoing open source conversation, stop not giving your money to Kafka. Give your money to us <laughs> to do Kafka, yes. I think is more of what they're going at. Now, they also mentioned, as mentioned previously <laughs> in last episode of the press release, <laughs> It says, Oracle has been spearheading the FN project, an open source platform that can run functions. Okay. And I was reading that, and then I kept reading. I was like, all right, functional programming. So, do yeah. people still do that? I never hear anyone talk about that anymore. Is that a thing? Functional well, programming? This is their, well, this one is their Lambda. Yeah, yeah. Their Lambda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Serverless Lambda. lambda it's, it's not, like, yeah, yeah. Right, no, right. people are still all into this. That yeah. Thing oh, has to be, I think people yeah. would say that's the, still the future. Yeah, people are like, yes. that's where we're all going. Well, I guess yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. that that's, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Is like, is that still the future, or has it become the present it's yet? Still the future. Okay. Yeah. I think it's still the future. Well, uh, yeah. Not okay. For enterprise. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about this. Yeah, because they did a big announcement a couple of years ago, and then there's obviously Lambda, and then there's just you know everyone's got their thing. Yeah. So yeah, Project FN. So yeah, that's good for them. Seems like they're doing well. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. And the Oracle part is fine. It was more just like I remember a year, a year and a half ago. This is back when I think you needed to have multiple clusters because it was shitty security. So mm-hmm. same same era of technology that basically like everyone was like, well, clearly serverless is what you want to do for everything. Uh, and then I think I think maybe six months ago, there was a Kelsey Hightower question about, are there any uh, Fortune 500 companies that run 100% of their IT on serverless? And I don't know no. if that just broke the back of the whole serverless <laughs> movement or not. But I have not they'll, really... They'll be fine. They're, they're, I, they're shorting it out. I just, yeah. I just, maybe, I haven't been looking for it, but this is the first time in a long time I've come across a serverless uh, mention in all places in Oracle press release. So it made me just, uh, you know, speculate out loud in my sort of like, you know, tech Andrew way, like, you know, is it whatever happened to serverless? I haven't heard that name yeah. in a long no, time. Oh, uh, no, not, no. Not well, for, I still... Not for two episodes. I, okay. I was going to okay. say... Uh, I still think serverless is the, you know, if if, if there's um you know like a a, uh, a guiding star here, a north star for this whole thing would be, uh, if people say like, well things are too complicated, like there's this belief of like, well eventually we're gonna get to this function serverless world where where we get to this point where like yeah nobody knows about any of the infrastructure, Got it. Got we it. just write a method or a function rather, we deploy it out there, and you as a developer all you have to know is you know the programming language and how to package it. And you're just 100% focused mm-hmm. on a business problem. That's it. it. And then Got just it. everything okay. else all over. Okay. So I think people would say that is like, that's the that goal. is where we're all going that's at right. this point. That's right. But um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. This, this, this is like a, like a, like a 10 lane Mopac. We're just <laughs> shooting for that. It's going to be awesome. Right. I love that little, that little bridge thing they have that goes from like, uh, what is that? Like, like Cesar Chavez on, onto, uh, onto the toll road thing. It's very fun to figure out that, that <laughs> how you're doing that deal there. Very on Austin. More roads here in Austin, Texas. Always more roads. Yeah. We just eat those roads up like tacos, man. Build more of them and they'll, they'll get eaten. That's a problem with highways, isn't it? Anyways, you should, uh, you should check out that press release, listeners. I think it's one. I'm going to save it for our, our upcoming, uh, Brandon and I's upcoming coursework. I think, you know, I think it'd be really easy. We just do a transcript and we'll do one of those books. That those kind of books that we love to rail on that are just like a disconnected stream of like blog posts of stuff that the authors knew, which I think perhaps is how you would describe all books. Uh, but <laughs> but I, I think we can just narrowly focus it on like like software company marketing and we can just like totally nail it. 
it'll be great. I'm in. Yeah. Love it. And th- this is going to be a prime uh, species in there. Uh, it's it's good stuff. And I should go figure out what the container journal is. Whatever happened to that news source that was like, uh, I'll save that for next time. I need to go look that up. Remember there was that one, <laughs> there was that one tech news source that was would like basically reprint press releases and rewrite them uh, as as other people's articles, and they would like goose the google news uh stuff and they had they had one reporter and there was this old faded picture over there it was kind of like a carmen san diego without a hat picture and it was black and white and she was wearing sunglasses and she was one of the uh the people who would rewrite these press releases all the time was she real was she real i think so (laughs) (laughs) that that would be the best (laughs) well i mean you know you've got re you know, throwing some sort of like machine learning over a press release to replace the we's with they's. I mean, you know, it, it's not that hard to rewrite this stuff. Mm. I see. Yeah. So the Container Journal, they're run by this company, Media Ops. They also have the DevOps.com. Love a DevOps.com article. That's good stuff. <laughs> you do. Yeah. yeah, I love all those. All right. Well, you know, let's say that you are trying to figure out if something is real. And you've got to track down some some uh, some metrics, some logs. I mean, my understanding is logs are where all the good stuff is nowadays. It's it's logs, the, uh, the hotness. Yeah, where do you want to look? I mean, what else are you going to do? Right, like you're going to go listen to something and get audio logs? No, no, you, you're, gonna uh, you're, you're not going to hit those APIs and, no. and status points. Gonna, no, it's all. Are you going to are you going to query some API endpoint and pull data from it when that server is melting down? No, no, it's going to be logs. But if you wanted to look over logs, Matt Ray, is there something you might want to look into? Well, yes, Gote. Uh, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. No one wants to find out about a critical operational issue on Twitter. With SolarWinds Logly, you can spot issues before they affect users by setting up alerting that will notify you immediately when a problem arises. Why stop there? Take it further and proactively monitor your applications using the Logly charts and dashboards to help you visualize what matters and quickly spot patterns across dynamically changing and interconnected services, events, and issues. Connect the dots across your log data with Logly. Logly is scalable cloud-based log management that won't break the bank. Plus, SDT listeners get a special 20% off your first yearly contract of Logly from now until December 31st, 2019, when you mention that you're a listener of SDT. New customers only, void where prohibited. To try it for free for 14 days, just go to logly.com slash SDT. If it logs, it can log to Logly. Well, usually, I like to uh, take the helm, as it were, to stick to our Kubernetes theme and... Uh, go over a geographic oddity but but this week i should say usually when i'm here those rare times this week <laughs> i think matt there's a geographic oddity going on in your geography let's hear uh, about it. well yeah uh, the oddity the oddity is is kind of a sad one um fire season isn't here in australia yet but uh it's it's the whole country's on fire or at least you know the parts on the east side where most of the people are um so uh if i look out my window right now uh, I can't see two blocks, and uh, my kids are staying home because the smoke's so bad. Um, and we're not even close to the fires. I mean, there's uh, they're I don't know, 50 miles away or something like that, maybe kilometers. I better find out which one it is so it doesn't get dangerous. But uh, yeah, um, they. It's just funny hearing people. You know, people say like, "Well, fires don't usually start till Christmas." And uh, you f- kind of forget, like, "Oh yeah, Christmas is in the middle of summer. It's about to start getting hotter." But right now, um, Eastern Australia is kind of having the equivalent of what uh, probably most of the people saw over in California. So um, everything's on fire, yo. 
And now is it is this is this like the Australians that can handle this, or is this like a, a no, a big, no, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so here here's your fire oddity. Um, they canceled my kid's school the other day because there are no firefighters in the city. Oof. They're all out oh. in the country fighting the fires. And- oh, I see, I see. I see. Not as a permanent yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> they're just like the fire risk is too high, and there are no firefighters in town. Yeah, because wow. they're all out in the country fighting fires. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's a bit of an oddity having school canceled because there are no firefighters. They've yeah. they've never done that before. So um, this was the first time. Well, I hope that works out. That's no good to have raging fires. It rains on the forecast for uh, tomorrow and the weekend, so hopefully, cool. uh, hopefully, it. we're going to get a lot of rain because we need it. Yeah, sure do need it, as they say. Oof, man, that se- that seems uh, you know you you definitely want to get notified if if there's some problem like a, like a fire coming in. Also, <laughs> if one of your computers catches fire and the magic smoke comes out of it, you might want to be notified of that happening. Now, Brandon. Is there something you might rely on to help you uh, notify yourself if something was uh, going poorly? There, there definitely is, Cote. <clears throat> this episode is also brought to you by PagerDuty. In an always-on world, teams trust PagerDuty to help them deliver a perfect digital experience to the customers every time. With PagerDuty, teams spend less time reacting to incidents and more time building for the future. From digital disruptors to Fortune 500 companies, over 12,000 businesses rely on PagerDuty to identify issues and opportunities in real time to bring together the right people to fix problems faster and prevent them from happening again. We're like the central nervous system for a company's digital operations, so we can analyze digital signals from virtually any software-enabled system and help you intelligently pinpoint issues like outages, as well as capitalize on opportunities empowering teams to take the right real-time action. To see how companies like GE, Vodafone, Box, American Eagle Outfitters rely on PagerDuty to continuously improve their digital operations, visit pagerduty.com and, of course, Tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. Well, we got a, a veritable potpourri of other topics to go over. Now, I just want to highlight a few. One, we are apparently one of the 20 best DevOps podcasts out, according to MediaOps Media site, DevOps.com, I think. And, uh, you know, this is definitely true. As I was saying, there's at least one podcast on that list of 20 that I agree with. The selection. <laughs> so, I, I think that's it. Uh, there, there's a, there's a couple of good ones in there. Oh um, no, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, they're, they're all yeah. great. You should go listen to all of them, especially one in particular. Subscribe to it on all of your friends' podcast things. And, yes, uh, but there there's also an honorable mention for software defined interviews. Really? Oh, very nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't so, I don't know uh, if that yeah. means two out of twenty one or two out of twenty or one out of twenty, but th- those are those are better numbers than zero out of whatever. So so that's well, that's there, good. Uh, you know, there's a couple in there that uh, I think uh, this developer's life. I don't know if they've had a new episode in mm. three or four years. Yes, but uh, it's a good one. <laughs> that is that and is then, a then, you know, that is a good. Series. There are a lot of really good ones in there. Yeah, it's like it's like we used to always say, right, Matt? Better than half the stuff out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh so also it Better looks like that. it looks like Xerox was going to do some sort I assume it was they were going to get some uh, loans or whatever to go buy HP and HP not interested in whatever valuation well, they, they had I assume. Well, they're I, just playing hard to get. It. And yeah. I I assume this is like, you know, cuz HP is printers and laptops uh at this point as distinguished from HPE so we would have some Xerox 
uh, printer. I, I got a, a fine, fantastic HP laser printer here on my desk. Uh, lo- love it's uh, one. Of, it's one of those boxy ones, you know, like the classic. Always works. Mm. Uh, and uh, I don't know. There's a few other things, but I think you know, like for example, looks like uh, SoftBank's finally going to do something with Yahoo, or at least Yahoo Ooh, Japan. That's exciting. It's, but I guess it's just Yahoo Japan company. they're combining with with Line and make some gigantic thing, right? Which uh, yeah, well, so so Yahoo Japan is uh, the biggest website in and Japan, which you know is kind of a big deal. And then uh, they're kind of partnering with they they want to like mash them together with Line to form like a you know a mega corporation so they can compete more with Rakuten, which is kind of like the Amazon of shopping. And mm. you know, so they they're they're kind of just you know making another uh, Hydra to fight a Hydra in Japan and across Asia. It's, that that always turns out poorly in Japan when you've got giant monsters <laughs> fighting giant monsters. <laughs> no, it's it's great. Yeah, <laughs> we we gotta watch out for that. Get that Idris Elba guy come in and clean out the situation for you. Uh, but it seems you know I think what we should focus on is probably where a lot of us, a lot of our listeners, spend our times. It looks like. Yes. According to the uh, the Wizards of Wall Street, the people who put valuations on companies that determine what their worth is and their effectiveness and how good an idea of there is. I mean, that's my understanding of uh, back when I didn't read Das Kapital, what the, the market does, right, uh, is an ultimate arbitrator of uh, good ideas. Uh, it looks like we won't have to use Slack anymore because we're going to use Microsoft Teams, I think, is uh, where all <laughs> the value is no. going to. Isn't that... Uh, because doesn't Teams have like umpteen million people now, and then Slack's valuation went down because uh, there's a little bit of correction or something like that, as they say. I don't know. I've never used Microsoft Teams. Is that like Skype for business? Yeah, so it is kind of interesting. So I think the Microsoft has come out and said they had 20 million Teams users, and then Slack stock did go down. But then Slack has come back and said, well, most of those users, or a lot of those users, came from Skype for Business, which is Teams mm. is the replacement for that. And then uh, Skype, as we're using right now, right, it's most known for like the video, voice calls, and video calls. And that's really, you know, it's really not what what Slack does. So it's you know, it's kind of back to those apples to apples, apples to oranges kind of uh, conversation. So it is interesting though. I've I've now used both. Obviously, I use Slack, you know, for the software to define Talk Slack, which you should join. But I've used it in several corporations, and now more recently, I've been using Teams. And I, I would say I actually feel like they're completely different products. You know, it's just they're like totally different in how they work, but, and so it's interesting that. But, but are you going to people use are both? drawing the things? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they might be different products, but don't they kind of fill the same vague, you know, space? Like you're not going to be like, oh, we use Slack and Teams, do you? Well, I think you know it's. Uh, my guess is that there are pockets of both in like larger companies, but oh, I, yeah, it, yeah. It, it is interesting how it it will. Because uh, then, Kote, you wrote like a blog post about like you know, video conferencing and your take on it. It's like it sort of defines a little bit of 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 like a culture, right? So, uh, I think it, this is just broad generalizations here. So, like, I think if you work in a place that's maybe primarily using Teams, then I think your primary communication is email hmm. followed by like. Uh, either video or just audio calls, right? You do a lot of that, right? And then places where I've been in where like Slack is predominant, it's like very a lot less email, a lot of you know chatting through Slack, right, or Slacking, and a lot less uh, actual meetings, right? Where like people hmm. are trying to deal with things and get get them resolved. And like a, like it's much more likely that a Slack community <laughs> will like will say like, hey, let's jump in a channel and like let's talk through like maybe off and on throughout a day, right? Whereas yeah. someone else will say. 
for that same problem, someone else would say, I'm going to schedule a 30 minute call and we're all going to talk yeah. about it. That, I'm going to go into Outlook. I see. And, yeah. Go into Outlook. And so, so what, so what so you're, saying, is, you're saying is tools te- drive teams, the, basically mm-hmm. Teams is for salespeople and everyone else uses Slack. That's. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I, mean, I think I'm, it's just whatever I'm you're identifying I, as Team Slack here. <laughs> my guess is it's because, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I think sometimes you know, people always like talk about the culture and like the values, blah, blah, blah. But I actually think sometimes the tools, the tools can drive like certainly can drive the way communication styles. Right. For sure. Right. Like yeah. a place that doesn't have good video conferencing and everyone's just doing audio calls. I think, you know, kind of your uh, uh, post of the, or email newsletter, Cote, about talking about like, you know, because some, some places like some companies, especially like as I work with more partners. Some like always have the video on. It's like culturally their companies, everyone has video on and then other places, no one ever has it on. Mm -hmm. Right. And then the same thing about like this communication mechanism around like if you don't, if the, and if it isn't widespread, whatever the main communication platform is, I do think even if you are someone that doesn't like to do calls, it's like, well, if the rest of the company is kind of geared around doing 30 minute calls versus creating a Slack channel and working it out, it's like, that's just going to drive an interaction model, right? That's, yeah. I mean, there's kind of no getting around that. So, so I think when you pick whoever picks these tools or however it's being done, maybe it's not even be done with the conscious is like when you kind of gravitate to one of these tools exclusively, or at least primarily, you are going to drive a certain communication behavior, which is going to establish some kind of culture in your company, which maybe is good, maybe is bad. But like, you know, anyone would say, as long as you've thought about it, you know, you're probably in a better position. Whereas I, my guess is most places just kind of just, you know, whatever. Stumble into it. Yeah, yeah, stumble into something and then the culture grows around it. So so to summarize, tell, tell me if I'm getting this right. You, you've used both Microsoft Teams and Slack. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Teams is oriented around a workflow that includes more email and maybe more phone calls. And Slack is more like, just like, let's just like I am about stuff and sort it out. In, in, yeah. in the chat room. So, mm-hmm. which that kind of makes sense. I don't have a tremendous amount of email nowadays that it would sort of like we're conversations that I have, except with salespeople often. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, it, yeah. And I could see that with, you know, coming from Outlook land that like there, of course you would have close integration with email and calendaring and stuff. And it would kind of be a, a, a basis of that, which, which makes sense. And, you know, that reminds me, I saw some sign in some airport I should say a sign in an airport that was uh, it was basically like Slack plus Zoom, like the two logos together, which just Mm -hmm. seemed like a a very, you know, you know, I don't see stuff like that very much. And it does seem like, you know, those are two companies that should be one company. Like I know Slack keeps buying these whatever things. Well, Slack just, bought, bought Screen Hero and then just kind of killed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, to the point of this usage thing, it seems like if you had a communication silo that was, uh, you know, and obviously on the tail end of this, there's a calendaring joke if you wanted to insert one. But if you had yes. basically like Slack and then like Zoom, you would pretty much be done, right? And then, of course, you would need to... You need to throw in some calendars uh on the right. tail end of it but, but i think you're what you hit that on would be like, the silo I think it's, there it's worth dry, drilling into that because i i've been to places where we've had that where basically it's slack and zoom i mean it's not one company but pretty close and so the, the behavior i observed there is it's like hey let's all jump in a slack channel you're trying to work it out but then if it gets to a point where it's still not you know still isn't happening someone will say hey can we just get on a zoom call and they just right. paste the zoom link right in and then everyone jumps yeah. on right yeah. so and the reason they do that, I think that the reason that is that there isn't a calendar there, right? To like quickly, like that's the quickest way to kind of get everyone on a call. When you're like an Outlook-based world, it is extremely simple 
to create a meeting because I can look at everyone's calendar. Yes. I, I I get the free busy, <laughs> and then when I and it's it's actually easier than creating a channel. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. e- that's much yeah. easier than creating a Teams channel and getting everyone into Teams. Like if you did that, like people would just look at you like you're crazy. Like no way. Like Ugh. you just jump on there. I pick an open slot on your calendar. I then just say add Teams meeting right to it, and then boom, I send it off. And like a few minutes later, you know, I get the accept decline, and then I know right ahead like oh yeah we're going to talk about that later so because that calendar part is there right it's it's like that's what drives the meeting where so i don't know a feature a bug kind of conversation right there i don't know if that's better or worse yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know that's why it doesn't happen in uh slack because like if you know when you have to leave slack and zoom and then go find your calendaring program you're just like uh it's, you know it's like suddenly it's like not even it's neither not worth it or it's like a whole not it's so it's a big thing that has to be you know more thought out how you're going to do it yeah. Yeah. I, I, no, and exactly. Like, and it just seems like instead of having to put, and I, I'm sure there's some integration, but instead of having to put some like uh, URL in there, you could just, you know, click a button that was like, start with all the people in here, start a conference. Right. And that, that would be, uh, that seems like what we would want to do with like uh, Slack mm-hmm. stuff, which mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe well, they had stuff. it. I think to your point, man, they had it for a while, but like, I don't know. No but, one ever, yeah. you know, even when I, I was at places that we had the Slack video stuff, never we used it. Still always. Them. Yeah. yeah, we always would put the Zoom link in. I don't, right, I don't, right. You know, no, that, that's, I, can't, that's, I can't even explain why we did that. That's, that's like, why the that's why one of them would have to acquire the other one because yeah. like the communities are. It's it's sort of like I I'm never really sure. I don't know if it was pricing or quality, but at some point like like WebEx lost to GoToMeeting and then GoToMeeting lost to Zoom, and I guess there was a bunch of PE involved at some point, which might be a cautionary tale for for that area. But like one. I never really get why video conferencing it's video conferencing is like, you know, APM and monitoring and stuff. It's just like, I assume it's the same, like five people reinventing it over and over again or something. But, uh, Definitely. anyhow, like, uh, at some point zoom took over from everything and now everyone's going to be stuck with zoom, not stuck with, but they are going to stick with zoom until something else comes along. But in the meantime, like zoom has that whole community. And so like, they're all everyone's going to paste a URL in unless Zoom and Slack are the same thing and they, they don't think about them being separate or well, anyways. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the, the, the downfall of, of WebEx and uh, GoToMeeting was you know being acquired by, you know, other companies. And then you're like, well, I don't really want to deal with Cisco or, you know, yeah, um, yeah it's yeah, weird because like, with, like they're effectively Citrix. all the same, right? Like. Like Zoom, oh, yeah, yeah, Zoom yeah. might be fun and easy to fun and easy. It might be easy to use, but you still have to download a desktop app that runs. So, yeah. whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> what well, is funny? But, I think the the founder of Zoom did was one of the engineers on WebEx. Uh-huh. So I think yeah, the right. as I remember the um, you know like one of the interviews or maybe it's on the Acquired podcast where they go through it. It's like the the big thing that they seemed to do better was just kind of the the startup experience, like how quickly you could be in a call. And, yeah. um, yeah. and that seemed to be, so I guess if you were going to compete in that, that like business productivity, what it's like, is there another 10 X improvement on starting calls? Like it seems pretty easy at this point. So, but maybe there is like, so, um, so when these things get reinvented, I think that's really what it is. It's like, oh, you know, we could do this a lot faster, even if it's the same functionality and we can be more reliable and, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, right. cause a lot of the other stuff they even talk about in zoom, like I have never used it. There's something about like you can somehow like on a call if you're like the leader you can like see get some report like who talked the most right and mm. then you can like use that to 
potentially identify people that aren't talking and like go out of your way to like make sure everyone's heard. And like, I was like, I've, I was like, I've never used that. I don't even, I don't think I ever would. I mean, maybe that's because I'm just talking too much, but it's just like, yeah, I just, so it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of these other features that people talk about, but I'm, I was, I'm pretty sure it's just like, oh, this was easier and more reliable than WebEx. And for some reason that was enough to get a bunch of people I, to switch. Yeah. I, I, th- I think, I think the, uh, the, enterprise, the experience of software turning into enterprise software is is to, you know you don't discount that because like i was on a skype for business call the other day and i was like oh this is horrible and then like i rebooted my laptop to get on this call and skype for business had installed itself as an automatically starting service mm-hmm. i was like that's it you're done you are off of my system right i just uh, so so yeah um buyer beware if you buy zoom um and you turn them into you know Skype for business. I'll be looking forward to your replacement as from a new startup. <laughs> I, w- I wonder is, is is Zoom public? Yeah, yeah, they huh. were public. Uh, I think seven months ago, eight months ago. Okay, yeah, I, I, w- well. I wonder if I, I mean this would be easy to look up if I looked up this kind of things. But I wonder if the problem is that it's really like it's very. There's a lot of coding of weird edge cases you have to do to make like a seamless web conferencing experience, like you know this operating system with this thing on this computer with this video card. And so you got to like account for all this stuff. And I wonder if that like costs a lot of money so that when you, uh, in web conferencing, when you, uh, arrive at your plateau of productivity and basically you start cutting development because you're just trying to coast on it. Like you kind of like things start to crumble down because one, because uh, you have to make a decision. Do we improve the user experience and spend our money on that? Or do we improve the thing no one ever sees except when it doesn't work, which is like compatibility with stuff? Or, or do we chop or, or both they, of those? Yeah, or are they wasting cycles integrating into other products in the parent yeah, company portfolio? Yeah. Which is, right? which are, is, are you marking, you know, are you making sure that uh, what is Cisco, what everyone Cisco owns? Like it works with backs. like. Yeah. yeah. Does does WebEx work with Cisco's instant messaging platform Ooh, yeah. and their and their video camera conferencing software? Yeah. You know, so they I love that into stuff. like, yeah. I mean, do you spend those cycles that you didn't have to bother with before? Because you know, that wasn't your engineering. You know, yeah. do you do you have to yeah. interface with like, oh, you know, if if we're in an all Cisco networking environment, we can you know, make these special network calls to get higher quality of service going through, you know, these Cisco routers. I mean, all sorts of other junk invades your product yeah, roadmap yeah. that when you were just like, hey, hit this up on your desktop and all we got to care about is your desktops. That's you know. true. And, and that, you know, one footnote on that. I think it was, I was at some, when I was in the States most recently, I went somewhere to give a, a talk and uh, there was a bunch of remote people involved. And I think they had a Cisco thing. And I just like, I mean, I say literally in the the, like to emphasize this, I just plugged my laptop's video adapter into some cable and someone pushed a button on a touchscreen and everything worked. Like, Whoa. like I know, like remotely, the mics in the room worked. People could see the screen instantly. And I was like, hold on, d- don't we need to do some other stuff? And they were like, no. And, but it just all, <laughs> it all right, right. worked. And, and, and I had the opposite uh, where, you know, I plugged in my, my Mac laptop into the video conferencing software. Uh-huh. My screen wouldn't start sharing. Yeah. So their solution was like, here, you join the Skype for business because the cable isn't working and yeah. send your audio through your laptop mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, circuit completely around this, you know, 
thirty thousand dollars of video yeah, conferencing yeah, hardware. Yeah. You're, like, you're, yeah, you know, it's. I think. I think. I think everyone in this role has experienced the standard outsider giving a presentation, which is basically like tether to your phone and then connect <laughs> connect to your Zoom connection, and then someone in the room will connect to your Zoom connection, and you're sharing the screen yes. on your Zoom, and then they share their yes. screen into their the their Microsoft, whatever yeah. it is. Oh, my God. And, uh, and that, then, that usually and works. And then 45 minutes into the call, I ran out of international data, and I Ooh. dropped off the call. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, my, my theory was, and it'd be inter- like, and I think this probably applies to most all enterprise software, probably especially systems management stuff, is that basically the reason why there's this like continual rebirth of it is people stop funding. I, I guess that my, my theory would be stop that like innovation. And yeah, yeah. Like, like Zoom is probably not a profitable company. Right. And so there's a bunch of surplus money that they're allowed to spend to be innovative and like spend money on user experience and all this other stuff versus like, especially if you become more of like a, a, an older PE company, you're not allowed to spend money chasing down all these things. You're not allowed. I shouldn't say spend money. You're not allowed to subsidize yourself by losing money. So maybe it's just like one of these things. And, and I think arguably systems management stuff is like this, like it's hard and ever changing and really kind of unvisible, boring work. So it's expensive. Uh, and so like, if you don't, if you're not allowed to spend the money to do it, then your, your stuff's going to go to shit. And, uh, someone is going to be able to quit your company and then go start a new one where they get this injection of cash that if you would have had at the old company, you could have also been prosperous, but now they have this injection of cash and a green, a green slate. I'm mixing the things, a clean slate, and uh, they can start doing innovation and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, it, it's the, yeah, it's the video conferencing circle of life. Yeah, and which which <laughs> is like which is like it's always fun to like not at all say like innovators dilemma stuff is wrong, which is not correct at all. But it's fun to think about what are the multiple sides of that. Which is like what I just went over is not really an innovators dilemma. It's like you know uh, the the successful idiot basically it's just sort of like (laughs) you're really successful at something and you just kind of lose track of the fact that you need to keep up with it so it's not that someone else is coming around and disrupting you it's that you stop trying and someone else like in in the hyperbolic way they don't even need to try they just need to do what you should have been doing uh from the get-go uh which which uh video conferencing boy and to recap yeah i wrote i wrote in that newsletter and i only about 220 people subscribe to it so i know on all the listeners have read this you should subscribe to the newsletter if you go to cote.io <laughs> slash newsletter it's uh it's you can subscribe but yeah i really hate it not only do i always turn my own video off because i don't want to deal with that but man when other people have their video off it's very distracting i wish there was a way like for all the features that Wait, Zoom has. You the video on, you mean. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm a video on guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I wish there was a feature in Zoom to turn remote video off. Like, I don't want to see oh, it. It's just. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like the little camera slip. And see, for, at, at, uh, least, at least in Skype. Yeah, see, he's just turned it. At least in Skype, like when you. <laughs> <laughs> when when you when you remove focus from the window, Skype makes this little window where you can mute it. But the problem Ooh. is, like in Zoom, I, I I don't want to see all those videos. That's that's all. Anyways, uh, well, hey, before just to recap that topic, we're just uh-huh. two quick facts. Just uh, Skype, or sorry, Zoom is worth nineteen point one billion dollars, and they made three cents EPS last quarter, or tw- trailing twelve months. So there you go. Now you have everything you need to know. Mm. That's earn, earnings per share. 
I love I yeah. love an earnings per share because it's sort of like you know as with all ratios you have to know both sides of the ratio mm-hmm. for it to make any sense. Well, here you go. I got the well the PE ratio if you're interested. So is. Uh, 2,411. So we would say, uh, I don't think, again, this is not a financial podcast. Don't take any investment advice, but just be, uh, this is a, a company we that people believe is going to grow significantly. And of course they went IPO, so they have all these weird things like they were, weren't profitable than they were. So it'd probably be a, a few more quarters before it like looks more normal. Mm. So there you have it. Yep. All you ever wanted to know. Once they're profitable, there'll be a new video conferencing service that everyone thinks is awesome. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love it. All right. Well, uh, you know, we've mentioned the conference going on this week. There, there's, uh, there's a Spring One tour uh, coming up very quickly in Toronto on December 2nd, if you're interested in going to that. And uh, we got a, any, any, any conference you want to highlight, Matt Ray? Uh, I'll be at the Kubernetes Forum, Sydney, uh, one of the cloud native computing funds, uh, uh, CNCF events. Um, if you want to say hi, get some stickers, uh, let me know, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be firefighters by then. And uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully either that, or you can we'll take your spring. kids to the conference. That that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I we we had a house guest here in Amsterdam, uh, one of our friends from Houston, and she was here for a uh, a uh, nominally an anesthesiologist conference, but it was all about you know airways and stuff like that, like the whole anesthesiologist thing. And so I said, when you go to the conference. I want you to take some time to scope out all the swag. And she was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Uh, and so I went over kind of like the things we have. And she went there and, you know, the things we have at a tech conference. She, she went back and she was like, it is just as we suspected. My conferences are really boring. Like there was, there was no, there was <laughs> nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing. I was like, there's not even like notepads to like write prescriptions on. Oh, come on. But no, nope. that's a no brainer. Nope. None of that gotta, stuff. We- we need to teach those people how to do marketing. Yeah, I know. This is, this is this is a chance for you and me, Brandon. It'll be kind of like it'll be kind of like a Wolf of Wall Street thing where we're like we're going to take our skills in uh, mm-hmm. doing successful, very niche enterprise infrastructure software marketing, and tell you how that applies to cardboard marketing. It's just it's all about a mindset. Well, I love it because it sounds like this would be the great. Not only can you explain to them first, we're going to actually give away swag. Then we're actually going to make a big deal about taking the swag away. Whoa. And having a no swag. The swag sat, cycle. Swag conference. Yeah. It's like a whole thing. Like where they're going to be like, what are you talking about? That's what we have now. I was like, no, no, no. There's a cycle we're going to go through and everyone's yeah. going to love it. Yeah, that's true. Start there thinking you of your charities now. You know, my question <laughs> with the swag, swagglers thing is like they often give you like we did this. They, they give you like tokens that you put in buckets to allocate. And I guess that's what it does is you pick like four charities and you allocate the money going to each. But then you sort of have a capped amount of money that you would be giving to charities instead of swag. So like, like why give out multiple tokens? I don't know. There's something weird going on there because like we would have it and you could just go get a handful of tokens at a booth if the people weren't watching and then you go put it in a bucket. And uh, I don't know. It was it a... Was, uh, Seems like a fine way of doing stuff, but in in in, uh, in contrast, they didn't have anything to bring back to my kids except macaroni and cheese from Target, <laughs> which which is fine. Uh, well, uh, any listener feedback or or sticker stories, Brandon? Yeah, a couple of quick things here. First, uh, I am going to uh, highlight uh, Delivery Conf. It's in Seattle, January twenty first, twenty second. Good friend, no SSHJJ. I uh, want you to go. And it, hey, turns out, guess what? Software Defined Talk, we're a community sponsor. So now we want you to go to even more. So you can use the uh, registration code SDT10. 
10 and save 10% off. And we, we thank uh, JP for helping us sponsor that. And I'll make sure, or sorry, not JP, JJ. Uh, and we'll make sure JJ has tons of uh, software defined talks stickers when he's there. And then this week had a couple of listeners write in. So I sent some stickers to Chris in Pittsburgh. Um, he says, thanks so much for the show. Look forward to every week and the great mix of strategy, Kubernetes, parenting, meet and travel. That's us. That's a perfect review. I love it. And also sent uh, some stickers to Ashish in Charlotte. And he also says he loves the show. And if you would like a sticker, what you need to do is very simple. You need to send me your postal address at stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you stickers pretty much anywhere in the world. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, there's also uh, there's also GitLab commit January 14th. Go oh, yes. And that's right. Jordy. Conference. Jordy wants you to go to that one. So you, go can, check you, that can, one you can go there and tell us how many pillars they still have. There, were, there was some good, <laughs> good follow up, good follow up chat over in, in our Slack channel about the pillars and how they fit together. I think I recall thinking that it made sense. But, uh, you know, I see I see them uh, at booths around nowadays, too. They seem like some jolly people. Yeah. And then just one more quick thing was uh, didn't really have any listener uh, suggested jobs, but the CNCF, they uh, they have the whole new job board. So I guess 12,000 people, they got a big job board out there. So I don't know if you're looking for a job. um, My guess is doing something with Kubernetes. It looks like that job board has lots of them. So Mm. go check that out. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of cloud, a lot of Kubernetes. Well, you know, while while you're waiting for these uh, job recruiters to call you back, you're, you're there enjoying yourself. Looking for something to do, Brandon. What would you? What What could people do? What would you recommend that they should do to fill their time this week? <laughs> what would I do? Well, I don't know if I'd recommend it, or I would recommend it. I should say, I <laughs> what I did this week <laughs> was I went and attended uh, an Amazon Web Services game day. So I went down to the Capital Factory here in Austin, and uh, it was interesting. The way that it wasn't like kind of your traditional training. It was like you kind of show up. They uh, treat you as like a new employee at Unicorn Rentals and they kind of have a little funny story about what Unicorn Rentals does and you know you are essentially a um, it's called like an SRE or an operations person responsible for deploying some microservices and keeping them up and running throughout the day and you're uh, in this case we were competing against a couple different teams in the room and they had actually some other sites doing the same thing in Dallas and San Antonio so we did like a little you know championship of Texas if you will like who could keep it up and running and uh, it was interesting it was because it's very hands-on around, like you know, trying to understand how to like get a microservice deployed, and then um, as you accumulate points throughout the day, when you get more points, uh, something happens, right? Like some type of configuration error is introduced and things like that. So it was really interesting, and it was I, I enjoyed it because I don't always get to do lots of hands-on stuff. Uh, it really taught me, like you know, it just it's a good reminder of like like how easy it is to just write on a PowerPoint slide, like, yeah, uh, make this highly available. And then you have to actually do it. And you're like, oh, man, this took us three hours to figure out how to configure the, like auto scaling gateway. And you're just amazing. Like you just like whole days can go by with the smallest errors. You're just like, oh, wow, this is uh... so yeah. it was interesting. I, I learned uh, a lot about a lot more about like some hands on AWS. See, stuff. That, that's the so, uh, maybe uh, that's what how Kubernetes is complex, like little stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, no, you do. I mean, that's a topic for a whole nother day. You see all the complexity of these things is just laying the foundation for something new. Who knows what that will be? I always like to say it was like, I like that data center OS. You know, I love that messaging, but who knows if it's coming. But regardless, they do AWS game days. I think they do them all over the place. So if, you, uh, if you're into that and you want like a real hands-on experience, and they don't, you know, it's like um, they don't give you like a ton of help, right? They want you to kind of struggle to learn. So if that's your kind of thing, check it out. If uh, 
if you want like the answers to the test, you know, maybe check out something else, do the online trading. And then the other thing is I always like digital transformation in the, in the quote real world. So I went down to Austin and I had to like find parking of course for this downtown. And uh, in Austin, they finally have this idea that you can just uh, basically download the park in Austin app. And uh, you just like look at where you are, what zone you're in, and then you just can uh, pay online. So essentially a little mm. mobile app you download, pay online. And then because uh, I was there all day at the end of uh, my three hours and just notified me and it just said like, do you want three more hours? And I was like, yeah, great. So I just uh, renewed it, which of course begs the question of like, I knew I was going to be there the whole day. Like, why won't you let me buy more than three hours? But hey, digital transformation is a journey. I'm just happy <laughs> they they didn't make me walk all the way back and like put change in a, a change machine. So if you're in Austin, you need to find parking. You can check out the Park in Austin app as well. That, that's wow. that's a that's a good little example of like uh, some compromise that a product manager made. They were just like, "Fuck, I have to go to a fourth meeting." about this this goddamn additional three-hour thing, right? Like, why can't we just change that one field to be, like, 30 minutes to six hours? What's the deal? And, yeah, you know, we have some city regulation that we'd have to bring up in front of the uh, the, the council, and I don't want to be up at Thursday night at 2 a.m. arguing about parking. Fuck it. Put in that yeah. new – put in that well, wizard. Well, you see – you're so right because as you're using the app, like you can almost see everything about it, right? Because then also, like when you're doing it, it's like there's all these, con- like they call it quote convenience fees, right? Because mm. clearly, there somebody was like, "Hey, if we do this, we're not losing a dollar. We're not, you know, we're not taking anything." So it's like you have to then, like, there's like a dollar convenience fee, and then, then on top of that, like to actually get, get it funded, they only want to charge you as like basically ten dollars out of like a, a clip. Right. So you have to like fund your ten dollars and spend it and fund it again. And it's like, but this is I mean, you know, I think it's the world you're in a lot too, Cote, all of us are in, right? It's like like to me though, it's you look at it, you're like, you would never design it this way from the beginning. But the but from all the conversations I have with real customers, like this is really what digital transformation looks like. It's like just the fact it's a miracle they have an app. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just that you can do it. So probably be another five or ten years. And then we'll just have a really slick uh, interface. You can probably do it from your Apple Watch, right? It'll just be click. It'll just be one fee and it'll all work. Mm. Um, but it's like that's what it really looks like. And it takes a long time. So the fact that they've at least started it, I was like, I'm going to give them credit versus totally. like, yes. I mean, but I get it. But when you look at it, you're right. There are a lot of compromises. But whoever did it, kudos to you. I'm sure you have a nice roadmap built out. And I'm sure eventually it'll just be even simpler. So keep working on it. Yes. It sounds like a, a sounds good. Matt Ray, yourself, what do you what do you have to recommend this week? Uh, my recommendations are just Brandon's previous recommendations. <laughs> Love it. So uh, I I was on a, a long flight, caught up with some movie watching. I watched uh, Sicario, which was one of Brandon's previous recommendations. Very entertaining. Uh, I'll go uh, try to catch the second one at some point. Uh, next time I have a long flight, I guess. And then I watched uh, ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. The uh, SMU scandal uh, episode, thir- uh, Pony Excess, again, and enjoyed it very much. So if if you like the ins and outs of college football and uh, you know the sordid history of SMU, uh, very entertaining. So yeah, just recycling Brandon's picks. <laughs> good work, Matt. Love good, it. Good endorsements. <laughs> well, well, th- this this week I have I have a couple recommendations and and a and a, and a sort of reco question. One, I mentioned Casino Bread. So Casino Bread. If you've ever been here in the Netherlands, the bread that you get is like that big, big bread. It's like it's like wide. It goes up top and is like it's hard to stick it into like a standard American size sandwich box for your kids. It's not square bread. 
And then I found this bread they have called casino bread, which is totally square. It's like bread. The, the, As, pic, the picture on, on, on Wikipedia is not square. Well, you can also have the round <laughs> casino bread, which I think they call lantern okay. bread. But typically, I haven't ever seen that. But the casino bread is like, you know, square or uh, what's what's a three-dimensional rectangle called? I forget what that is. But, you know, like a cube? long cube. But a cube is like. Anyways, whatever. It's like it's like you know a three dimensional rectangle. So it's like a Q. It's like square. And I think they call it a casino bread because it's it's baked in like a a, a, a like you know this this long square thing, which and I think casino is like an Italian word for house or something. So hence casino uh, bread. But I try to buy only this bread because otherwise, like to fit it into my kids' lunch boxes when I make them sandwiches, I have to like you know slice the bread into a square. This one, not so much of a big deal. It's already square, and uh, it's crunchy on the outside. So check out Casino Red if you are someone living in the Netherlands and you're like, how do I get American-sized bread? Because, boy, I want that. Uh, (laughs) Also, uh, I listen to this. uh, I don't don't really listen to the uh, the Ezra Klein show anymore, but selectively I listen to episodes. And there's a a recent interview he has with Dave Eggers, which is is pretty good, because it's Dave Egger, guys. He's, He's basically like... And when it comes to, like, calmness and making you feel good about yourself, he's like the Dalai Lama of, like, sarcastic Gen X people. He just, like, he's very soft-spoken and he does a lot, says rational things. He only uses a flip phone and he kind of just lays out that, hey, man, life could be cool if you just relax. And uh, it's it's uh, kind of encouraging to listen to. So then... So then, have you have you read uh, the, the, that book, Matt Ray, like, Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore? No. And then, and then I think I recommend this last week, the same author, he wrote this book called Sourdough, which I thought eventually, to give a spoiler, was going to end in some sort of like uh, alien thing, but it never did. It was literally just about sourdough. Uh, but he seems like an author you would like, Matt Ray. You should uh, oh, okay. check those books out. That's, that's a personal recommendation you, you, to you. You guys are filling out my... Uh... Filling out my Your Christmas uh, future. List? <laughs> no, my well, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, my my future recommendations would be like eh, I think Cote said in episode two hundred eight. <laughs> I you know I mean so basically like like Kindle books make it very hard to give people gifts for I mean books. For, I know we gift, were having right? this conversation yesterday. I was like I, I so so for, one of the things I do for Christmas ideas is like throughout the year when I hear about a book or something I, I you know put that on a list or I actually put it in my Amazon cart and then like save for later. And so you know right around now I start looking through that list and like oh I should get someone this and someone that and then my wife was kind of pointing out like oh, most people are just going to read those on their Kindle and they don't want a big physical book and. Yeah. Yeah. So experiences. That's a better gift. Oh, that's that's adorable. Experiences. Uh, it's hard, yeah, it's it's uh it's Mr. Penumbra's twenty four hour bookstore, but and the guy the author's name is uh Robin Sloan. It's it's a good book. It's very uh I don't know how to describe the tone. It's very uh I I keep wanting to say cutesy, but it's not cutesy. It's just like huh. Who's the guy who made that Hotel Budapest show? Movie? Wes Anderson. Yeah, it's 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 like kind of like a watered down in a good way Wes Anderson, but like it's like remember the guy who wrote Microsurfs, Douglas yes, Copeland, uh, Stuart Douglas Copeland. It's yeah. kind of a little Stuart Copeland was in the Police, if I remember, but like it's a little yes. bit like Douglas Copeland <laughs> mixed in with like a little bit of like Wes Anderson, and then a little bit of like like San Francisco vibe. Which which okay. uh, is a lot better than it sounds. 
Anyways, <laughs> as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. Uh, if you want to get the show notes for this episode, this is episode 206, so you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 206 to get the show notes and links to all this stuff. And you should join our Slack channel, which you can also find at softwaredefinedtalk.com. We're in the Twitter and the Instagram, the LinkedIn. And like I said, you should subscribe to my newsletter, which I'm pretty sure if you go to kote.io slash newsletter, you can sign up for it. Uh, I don't know. I send letters out like once to three times a week, depending on what I'm doing or feeling, what the weather's like, things like that. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. I've got to get off mute. I'm always doing that. <laughs> Let me take a note here. 38 minutes. Long pause. Long ass pause. <laughs> yes. I better, I better write that down in here too. Uh, hey, do I need to wrap up soon? Nope. nope. Wow.